As consumers, we are bombarded by it at every turn, like the Incredible Hulk being bombarded by gamma rays. But what makes some media endure, while others are banished to the forgotten black hole of obscurity, never to be heard from again? Who or what decides this? Hetero life mate Steve and Yehel want to know, and they want to know now. This is Obscurity Now. now, 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 now. The premiere episode of Learning the Ropes um, came out uh, September 16th, uh, 1988. In this uh, specific episode um, that we're watching, it's called Unmasking the Masked Maniac. And the synopsis is as follows. Um, for some reason, it oh yeah, there was no synopsis on IMDb. If you, there's not a lot of information about this show out there. If you look at the IMDb and the wiki, there's a lot of contradicting um, sort of information. The IMDb shows it as only having 13 episodes, but if you go to the wiki, it's uh, clear that there were 26 episodes. Um, but basically, uh, did you want to summarize the synopsis for the episode in your yeah, own words? Yeah, sure. So the first episode is basically we're just introduced to the family, mm. we're in, uh, the Mass Maniacs family. Um, and basically his attempts to keep the, uh, the, the fact that he moonlights as a professional wrestler, a secret. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's really kind of basically it, it's really serves more of an introduction to the characters and just how some people find out that he's a wrestler and, and the world of wrestling, I would say for sure. Um, but no, that's a good, good synopsis. The director of this episode, actually, there's a lot of um, sort of uh, TV veterans involved with um, learning the ropes here. And the director is Noam Pitlick, <laughs> which is a, uh, just a funny last name. Uh, he worked on uh, Wings. That sounds like a, like a Bioshock character. Yeah, oh, absolutely. <laughs> I'm sure he was alive when Bioshock was going on because, you know, Bioshock's based on real history. Um, mm hmm. So, uh, yeah, Noam Pitlick, uh, he directed episodes of Wings, Mr. Belvedere, and Taxi. And uh, then we've got uh, two writers here, one uh, Gary Ferrer. He worked on the Dennis the Menace cartoon. Did you ever watch that Dennis the Menace cartoon back in the 80s? Yeah, I wasn't a fan. What? But, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I think Dennis the Menace is kind of stupid. Eh, uh, I mean, it's just dated. The original show, the the movies, the cartoon, the people that enjoyed it. Wow. Steve, I don't think connected them either. All right, I, uh... all right. Yehel's email is uh, smartmark69 <laughs> at... No, <laughs> all right. <laughs> that probably is somebody's email. You're right, I know. Uh, he also worked on, uh, previously covered by us, uh, Small Wonder... And I can make a lot of comparisons of this show to Small Wonder uh, as we proceed forward. And also, Welcome Back, Cotter. That's all stuff that he's written. And then we have uh, Neil Rosen, who has worked on uh, The Munsters. Though it's called, actually, it's called The Munsters Today. So it was like a reboot or something. The Facts of Life. And uh, once again, uh, Welcome Back, uh, Cotter. And we can't forget about the creator. Ed Self, a guy who's always had a strong sense of self about him. And uh, he basically worked on a lot of uh, TV movies like back in the 80s. Uh, Sarah Plain and Tall, The Winter's End, <laughs> which <laughs> who knew Sarah Plain and Tall had like such a uh, like crazy action sequel to it. Have you ever, did right? You, who knew? Yeah. And then um, I guess some sort of spy TV movie called Spies, Lies, and Naked Thighs. And uh, 
The Yearling. Um, so basically just a lot of uh, TV movies. And uh, as we previously said, this was um, a Canadian um, produced. And the name of the production company, for anyone who cares, is uh, Cineplex Odeon, which is kind of cool sounding. but well, really rolls right off the yeah, top. Yeah, really, really. So um, who are some of the thespians that performed in Learning the Ropes? Uh, yeah, so for... The cast, we've got Lyle Alzado, that we've, who we've already discussed. He plays Robert Randall and the Masked Maniac. However, technically speaking, when the Masked Maniac is shown wrestling, that is not Lyle. Although Lyle is a big dude, you know, he's a former mm-hmm. football player, still in great shape, you know, very muscular guy, but he's not a trained wrestler. No. So under the, the hood, uh, the Masked Maniac uh, is Steve Williams, a.k.a. Dr. Mm-hmm. Death. Steve Williams, who passed away a number of years ago, but... Uh, he was a wrestler who uh, he had some runs here in the States, but uh, he had his most successful work in New Japan. Uh, Jim Ross loves Dr. Death, Steve Williams, and will not shut the fuck up about him <laughs> and get him started. Well, does he uh, talk about him a lot on his podcast or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's the one that brought him into like uh, Monday Night Raw during that, into WWF during the Attitude Era. And what is um, the name of that? Uh, it's called Grillin' JR, right? Yeah, Grillin' JR. Yeah. Is and podcast. correct me if I'm wrong, but. Wasn't uh, Steve Williams' uh, sort maybe it was his WWE run or career altogether was kind of cut short because of the that uh, brawl for it all? Like, kind of, yeah. So, brawl for all was man, we're really getting uh, <laughs> sidetracked here, but yeah, brawl for all was a tournament like a boxing tournament, although you could also use grappling, right? That WWE had during Monday Night Raw, but it was like actually legitimate, yeah, it was unlike it was the rest shoot. of the matches, mm-hmm. like the. Yeah, it was a shoot. The guys were really boxing, really going after each other. They had a point system. And it was initially created as a vehicle to have Dr. Because they assumed Dr. Death would win it all because he has a legitimate background in boxing Mm -hmm. and MMA and all this other stuff. And instead, he lost like his very first match or and it got he got knocked out from what I remember. Uh, And instead, like Bart Gunn, the charisma vacuum, (laughs) Bart Gunn ended up winning it. Uh, and then Bart Gunn got beat up uh, legitimately again in another shoot fight that they did at WrestleMania between Bart Gunn Butter and Butterbean. Yep. So, and so basically, yeah, terrible idea for Brawl the- for All like killed a bunch of guys' careers, more or less. Yeah, because a bunch of guys got injured, legitimately right. injured during it. So like they could then couldn't wrestle. Way to go, Vince. Uh, but way to go. Yeah, they did pay the guys. It was voluntary to do mm-hmm. it. Um, and the guys that did do it did get paid more to do it. So that there was like a financial incentive for them to do it. But yeah, it kind of weird. And then like, it's so dumb because if you're a fan, especially a casual fan, yeah, they're telling you that this is real. But then it's like, why would you believe it? They tell you the whole show is, you know, quote unquote right. real, you know, and then it also creates this weird situation of like, oh, yeah, this one part of our show, the next 10 minutes are real. The rest, of <laughs> you know, like so dumb. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Anyways, uh. Lyle Alzado had uh, 31 acting credits, but again, like nothing major mm. um, that, that I saw. Anything that sounds like that fun or weird? I mean, not really. Uh, he does play a character called Bulk in something called Neon City. So I thought Neon that was City, funny. that sounds awesome. Uh, well, but anyway. <laughs> let, I, eh. Yeah, actually, let me read the description to Neon City. It's a Mad Max clone Set in the not too distant future, about a group of people trying to escape to a safe I, haven called Neon City after a solar disaster. I think I've seen it actually. 
but uh, we'll uh, we'll add it to the list. Maybe <laughs> we'll see. All right. Anyways, uh, playing his son Mark is Mark uh, Yannick Bisson. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> anyways, uh, he's still acting pretty regularly. Most recently, he's played Detective Murdoch um, in the show called Murdoch Mysteries. I've never heard of this show, Me Steve. Either. It's been running since 2008 Must... to 2023. There are 260 episodes. Maybe it's like a Canadian thing. Yeah, it, it, it's got to <laughs> be. But uh, yeah, 260 episodes. Uh, Yannick Bisson is going strong. Um, and before that, he was in a, like a podcast series for the show mm-hmm. uh, back in 2020. So I guess the podcast was so important. It got... Or I'm sorry, the show did so well, it got turned into like a podcast. That's probably an time. audio drama, I would imagine. Maybe. Uh, well, I mean, it's definitely a TV show now uh, since 2008. But he was also in something called The Adventures of Napkin Man. <sighs> okay. <laughs> 60 episodes of Napkin wow. Man exist. Jeez. And he plays the Napkin Man. Now <laughs> that. Oh, that sounds like fun. <laughs> so, yeah, anyways, he's got a bunch of other ones. Uh, such as uh, the great film Another Wolf Cop, where he plays someone named Swallow. Oh, you've never seen Wolf Cop? Oh, no. Wolf Cop is great. You've got to check it out. Well, he was he was also, because we've covered The Pretender. Mm. Uh, so he was also in something called The Pretender 2001. Mm. I guess it's like a, it's like a movie. Oh. Uh, that came out in 2001 with The Pretender. I actually would not mind revisiting The Pretender. Yeah, oh, I agree. Uh, but, but yeah, he's in that. But yeah, he's got like some kind of interesting um, stuff in his uh, resume for sure. Mm. Uh, so he's been quite successful. The sister, Ellen, is played by Nicole Stoffman. Uh, she was not as successful. <laughs> uh, she only has six acting credits. Uh, the most probably well-known one is she played Stephanie Kay in 22 episodes of Degrassi High. Which is like the Canadian state by right, the bell. Right, right, Only not funny, right? It's like serious. Um, I, I'm trying to, I, I watched so little of it. I can't really remember. I thought it was more of a dramedy, though. Oh, okay. Uh, I don't know. I never, I never saw bell. it, yeah. Oh, no, no. I mean, I think you're yeah. right, where it leaned a little bit more dramatic, but it still had some right. comedic elements. But, um, like someone says, anyways, I'm getting got... an abortion, and then everyone laughs. <laughs> Better get it now while it's still legal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Laugh track. Um, Principal Whitcomb is is played by Richard Farrell. Mm. Again, he didn't have a lot of acting credits. Um, it is kind of weird. He only has six acting credits. And he's got like a few in 88. And then nothing until one in 1999. And then nothing till 2017 where he plays a voice in something called Monkey King Reloaded. Wow. Interesting. It's like a short or uh. something. Yeah. Very, very weird. Uh, even though he looks like he's 60 in this, he's still alive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good to so, know. So I don't remember a character named Brad in this. I guess it must have been one of the background. Maybe it's one of uh, uh, one of Yannick or Mark's friends. Friends. Yeah. yeah. That's unnamed. So I won't go into that. We've got Bertie Baxter, who's played by Grant Cohen, which I think was, again, another background character. Mm. Uh, Carol Dixon, who's kind of like a aggressive love interest is played by cheryl mm. wilson again nothing of note really on her uh resume yeah i think um, you hit yes. all the uh the important ones yeah and uh i do want to mention that ronnie garvin is in this he's not in the imdb credits but he is 
uh, one of the he plays one of the wrestlers backstage that's uh, got the most talking. <laughs> so the one that borrowed the book on the French Revolution. Yeah, that was. <laughs> well, we'll get to that soon <laughs> enough. Yeah, we'll get, uh-huh. we'll get to that. Um, so, um, Steve, are you ready for to review Learning the Ropes, which I believe may be the inspiration for Hannah Montana? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's dive right in. All right. So we open at the, by the way, throughout this, I'll be referring to Randall as the mass maniac a lot of times. Don't forget to, don't, don't skip on that theme. Oh, oh okay. okay. Oh, I, I won't skip on the theme. Actually, why, why don't we start off with that? Because I believe it starts off with the theme anyway. Yeah. <laughs> yes, uh, it does. And uh, what did you think of the theme, Steve? Well, the theme by, in fact, the, the music for the whole episode is uh, done by one David Roberts. And this is the uh, only thing that he's ever done in life. Wonder why. But I mean, I think the theme is like perfect. If you're gonna watch like a uh, cheesy '80s sitcom, this is what you want your theme to sound like. It's like way better than the Small Wonder theme, you know, which we both agreed oh, was yeah. like sounded like weird, like 1950s barbershop or doo wop yeah. or something. And this is just like you know. Basically, the lyrics just say what the song is about, and then when it hits the chorus, it's uh, learning the ropes, and it's just uh, pretty good, I think. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, yeah. it's a good 80s sitcom mm-hmm. theme. I agree. It's upbeat. Uh, it definitely has that like 80s um, semi-electronic mm-hmm. you know, sound. The electric really. piano, yeah, and you've got, uh, I mean, and it's just super cheesy and just totally works, I think. Yep, and they've got the name of the uh, the show in the yes, lyrics. Yes, you gotta have that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's a pretty good theme. And then you know, with clips from you know the show or whatever. Mm, clips of Flair, the Road Warriors were apparently on this. I want to watch that episode someday. But uh, anyway, uh, yeah. So we get through the theme, and and then we open uh, up on the Mask Maniacs' home. Mm-hmm. Mark, his son, is watching uh, uh, some wrestling off of a tape. Mm-hmm. That is a friend let him borrow. And they show some of the matches and we see that it's Masked Maniac Wrestling. And um, the announcer, the commentator, is pretty funny. Like uh, whoever they got to play the commentator, I, I don't know if this was like actually like an NWA announcer. I don't think no, it was. No. But uh, he at one point he yells that the Masked Maniac is eating human flesh. Yeah, like, all right. So like, let's uh, <laughs> talk about this right off the bat. Okay, so they're, they're treating wrestling as if it's a uh, kayfabe right like real for the most part sometimes they do like sometimes they do. like it's kind of confusing right because like okay the announcer is yelling about how the mass maniac is consuming human flesh <laughs> fine that that's like something you would expect a wrestling announcer you know to right. do but then like later on in the show when you know like his kids are talking about wrestling they talk about it like it's real and like the daughter even says something about like oh she doesn't want something to happen to her dad mm-hmm. where he like gets killed basically. Mm-hmm. Which is quite, uh, you know, you know it's quite founded whether they're treating wrestling, whether it's real or not. <laughs> but then and there's some backstage locker room scenes where the wrestlers are all just kind of hanging out, being buddy, buddy. And he even says, these are my friends. You right. Know? Right. So, I mean, unless they, I mean, they could have gone into more detail. Like, I mean, but then that would make it look like a work if he was like, oh, these are my friends, like the jobbers or the this is the heel locker room. This is the face locker room. That's making it even right, worse, right. like as far as destroying the. Uh, I, I, get, I guess the whole thing is that like this, this is my my head cannon for it. Wrestling is not real mm-hmm. uh, in the world of the, of the TV show. However, 
the mass maniac lets his kids continue to think that it's wow, what an asshole. (laughs) Because, Because, you know, fine, he didn't want his kids to find out that he wrestled, but fine, they found out. Well, he can't let them like kill kayfabe, right? Of course, because it's 1988, baby. Kayfabe's uh, yeah, hot right now, alive, alive and well. So, yeah, it's it's really weird, and and I wonder like how the NWA wanted it portrayed and. I don't know. I, I feel like they just kind of really the, the real answer is probably that they didn't really think about it. Right. And they just did whatever they thought was funniest for whatever scene. they were. Yeah, because I noticed they I mean, they treat it like wrestling as if it's real sort of over the top, like you said, with the, the eating human flesh. And there's I mean, we're going to get to the scene where flair does his uh promo which is amazing but it's promo. not My a typical promo but it's ever. not a typical Ric Flair promo at all you know what let's just get to it all right so yeah like so the kids are watching wrestling right and that's when they see rick flair's promo right no this happens way oh, later. okay all right well then uh, i'll get okay. to it i'll get to it it's about like halfway through. right uh, but we'll, we'll get to it. We, we got to build to it sure. baby. you know this is the shine of course Steve. Uh, <laughs> All right, so anyways, the Masked Maniac is wrestling. Like I said, the announcer says that he's eating human flesh. And then we see uh, the Masked Maniac himself, Randall, come down the stairs. Uh, He says he tells Mark that he doesn't want his son to watch wrestling. Mm -hmm. Mark's like, why? And and Randall says, I'm a dad. I don't have to give a reason. And then a laugh track appears, because I guess that was a joke. (laughs) Uh, And this is the kind of humor. uh, It's very stereotypical, like, 80s sitcom, Mm -hmm. where it's like, uh, why is this? Because of blah, blah, blah. Uh-huh. Right. You know, it didn't annoy me. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I should wait till the end, but it didn't annoy me as much as like Small Wonder did. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. agree. I agree. Because Small Wonder was definitely like setting up like, like I don't know, like convoluted punchlines, well, I guess. Is like how I the describe like, plot just... of, uh, a lot of the plotting for that episode just didn't make any sense where at least this one. Right. Aside from one big logical sort of plot hole, which I'll talk about when we get to it, I mean, it basically makes sense. At, at least the jokes here, the attempts at jokes, come up like as part of the conversation. Yes. yes. And they, they, so they don't feel as shoehorned yeah. in. So even if you don't find them funny, they don't feel like why. Right. Why it, it would be better stuff? if there was no laugh track. Um, but whatever. It's yeah. 1988. Yeah. So what can you do? Yeah. I, I, I think it's a, this would have played better as a dramedy without mm-hmm. the laugh track. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyways, then we have the daughter, Ellen, walk into the living room from, she walks in from the kitchen, uh, and then the maniac, uh, Randall's like, hey, um, are you ready? She says she just has to put on makeup and she'll be ready for school. There's some dumb, you know, uh, jokes between Ellen and the, and her brother mm-hmm. about how, like, she said, like, the dad says, oh, you don't need makeup, you're naturally beautiful. She says that, well, putting on makeup makes me look like Madonna, and then the brother, to give her a hard time, says, uh no no it makes you look like michael jackson and he does the michael like jackson, michael jackson oh, real yeah. effeminate like a super effeminate <laughs> michael jackson impression yeah and again it's very low-hanging fruit mm-hmm. but at least like it's organic and it does come off like something you you know bickering siblings would like say to like poke at funny sure i agree um i didn't find it super funny but like you said it's pretty inoffensive right. stuff as far as like feeling not out of it's like the most you could hope for is to not be annoyed (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. so anyways uh the mass maniac kind of tells them to go their separate ways and finish getting ready or whatever the mass maniac preemptively tells mark that he can't drive the car 
Um, and he tells him a few other things he can't do preemptively. Mark, who is kind of like played as a uh, bit of a Zach Morris oh, type I of agree. character. I agree, 100%. Yeah, he's like supposed to be like, at, at least he thinks of himself as cool right. and. Well, I mean, know, he's a wrestling fan, so of course he's cool. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Mark asks for more allowance money. Um, and again, he just makes him like awful. He, he's like haggling the way Zach Morris would yep. haggle, basically. Uh, he has some bad jokes, and uh, Mark has this, you know, the the dad says, no, he can't have it, and uh, Mark has this supposed, it's supposed to be like a funny recurring joke about how his dad has a unique way of communicating. Mm-hmm. Did you think that was funny mm-hmm. when he's like, yo, you need to work on your communication or something like that, and like, there's a laugh track, I was like, what? And plus, like, I mean, no one talks to their dad like that. I mean, this is a sitcom, but yeah, no one... Have you ever said and that I, to your dad? And that bothered me. Huh? No, no, no. I, I just usually t- just hit it. <laughs> when, uh... Wow. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> we've just entered a new world uh-huh. into Yahel's psyche. Please do. Con- I'm the real mess. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, but, and it was kind of like off-putting at first, like as far as like, it didn't feel like the way a dad and a character in a family sitcom, because this is not like a broken home. No. Where they have like some terrible relationships, so it felt like very out of place. However, I think it works because of something that they do later that I'll get. Oh, another uh, just um, to touch real quick, they 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 do have the one sort of '80s cliche where, for whatever reason, they just went ahead and didn't bother to have like a mom character. Right. Well, they do explain the mom, yeah, not being there. Yeah. Later. Right. Um. So. Um, so basically Mark wants more money from his dad and his dad says that he should get a job. Um, he, (laughs) this did actually kind of make me chuckle. Like the dad says, uh, you need to go to J O B. Do you know what that spells? And Mark, like from the Bible, (laughs) (laughs) I would have, you know, I, that sounds like something cheesy I would have said back then. Yeah. Yeah. Like it, it it caught me so off guard. It was actually pretty funny. Um, anyways, Mark says that uh, his dad's putting a lot of pressure on him because he, you know, he has him going to this like private prep school with all these rich kids and he shouldn't be the only, you know, he's got to keep up with them and he shouldn't be the only one, the only student that has a job there. And he's putting all this pressure on mm-hmm. him. And then the dad, the mass maniac says, uh, in response to this, it's my pleasure putting pressure on you and then slaps him yeah. in the ass. <laughs> that was so weird. <laughs> It's like that reminds me of Ace Ventura, where he's like, where uh, uh, Sean Young is like, "What do you know about pressure?" And he's like, "Well, I have right? kissed a man." <laughs> like, like. <laughs> so yeah, just real weird, but whatever. Um, anyways, so the dad says that you know he you know what he does, he considers it tough mm-hmm. love. Uh, Mark mentions something about like his dad being um, sarcastically talks about how his dad's an impoverished teacher. Mm. So that's how we find out that the dad's a teacher. Um, so I wrote in my notes here. So apparently the masked maniac has a secret identity and job like Clark Kent. Yeah. Like that's so strange to me, but I, I guess, and I didn't think about this until after I wrote the notes that the masked maniac is a jobber. Right. He's not really like a top mm-hmm. star, I guess. So, I guess that's why he's not doing it as his regular job. Right. Still I wonder it. if like if the season progresses, like does he 
like get better opportunities to does he stop being a jobber at some point does he ever get a chance to like go for the big belts i wonder what happens yeah you know it would have been kind of cool if they had like several seasons and like it culminated like that would have been a great built-in idea for a series mm-hmm. finale it culminates in him winning the big one or something like that well and uh then he quits the job at the school yeah 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 or he has to or- oh man should we relaunch should we reboot the show <laughs> well i was gonna ask you like <laughs> Has, uh, you know, lately we've seen, you know, wrestling and other sort of uh, shows or I guess genres, if you will. I guess the, the one mo- or show that comes to mind right now is uh, Heels. Did you ever watch that? No, but I thought you were going to say Young Rock. Young Rock. I, is that one about wrestling? Yeah, it's literally uh, they have like guys playing Triple H, guys playing Austin. Like you, uh, you've yeah. watched it? Is it any good? I've seen clips. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it looks it looks all right. I mean, uh, yeah. <laughs> it, 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 well, when I say all right, I mean it looks not as bad as I thought, <laughs> but also not good. Right, right, right. Yeah. I mean, I just uh, yeah, those are the only ones that I've. I mean, I've never watched a Young Rock, but Heels. Is pretty good. I don't know if they're going to do a second season, but it's pretty good. They are. Oh, good. They, 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 yeah, they were filming yeah. it because uh, I know like CM Punk missed something because he had to go film. Man, everyone uh, hates that so. guy now, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyways, the next scene, we're in, in a classroom, specifically uh, the Masked Maniacs classroom. Um, but the weird thing is, and I don't know if this was like a scene got cut out from the copy we watched, but like when it, it, the scene starts out with laughter from the audience. Yeah. Yeah. That was weird. Yeah. So I don't know. Someone's walking away when that's Mm -hmm. happening. So maybe like there's a missing scene or something. Um, but either way, the principal walks in, uh, to the classroom along with his niece who we find out is, uh, what was her name? Cheryl, Carol Dixon. Although I don't think they mentioned her name in this episode, but, uh, which is odd. Mm -hmm. But anyways, principal walks in with his niece. Uh, they the principal tells the maniac how he's been doing such a great job teaching, and you know he's really glad that his niece convinced him to give the maniac a job as a teacher. Uh, the principal says he's creating a role of vice principal, but that he's having a hard time deciding who to give it to because he's got he's narrowed it down to either Randall, the mass maniac, or his niece, his own niece. Mm-hmm. Uh, his own niece, uh, first I wrote that she doesn't believe in nepotism and says to give it to Ray. Huh. Uh, soon we'll find out why she really said right. that. Uh, Randall, uh, says that he accepts because he could use the extra money. The principal says that there is no extra money, which generates like a lot yeah, of it's just the, um, the pleasure of getting the to work pleasure. with him. Yeah. He says the glory and honor of getting right. to work with him. Uh, Randall then says he passes. Mm-hmm. And the principal says, okay, there is money. Look at him. Uh, He's acting just there's... like a wrestling promoter. <laughs> yeah, he says, okay, fine. There's a substantial race. You get your own free parking spot. Uh, I can't remember. Like an office. Oh, and a computer. Yeah. <laughs> wow, a computer. <laughs> How about a, a, uh, a Vectrex even? Who knows? Yeah, yeah. Throw in a ColecoVision and you got yeah. a deal. <laughs> okay, so he does accept. Uh, the niece then tells the mass maniac, asks the mass maniac to go on lunch mm. um, to recall their wild and intimate times together in college. Right, but before we get into that, though, can we talk about the performance of the principal? Um, 
Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I thought it was pretty fun and hammy. Just, uh, I mean, it's it's very yeah. similar to a while back when we covered the Saved by the Bell Christmas episode. That one manager. It's always, uh, I guess, whenever. Oh, it's exactly. Yeah, like yeah, that. yeah. Whenever you need sort of like a pseudo kind of villain, or I guess someone who's in a, a place of a power in the '80s, they're always like uh, almost, almost borderline British, like upper crusts, like just over the top narcissist yeah yeah into themselves for no reason yeah, exactly you know? he's basically like on a power trip as principal of this right right school. very uh seymour skinner almost <laughs> yeah but to his credit i mean i guess this is like a more nuanced version of that kind of character because he does come in complimenting him you know and what a good job right. he's done and yada yada so i can't believe i'm saying this but he's a pretty nuanced character <laughs> <laughs> just like super pro yeah. So anyways, like I was saying, the niece asked the mass maniac to go on this like date to recall their wild and intimate times together in college. The mass maniac says that he remembers the wild and intimate times. He just doesn't remember the being together with her part. So basically, he's like, yeah, I was a real man whore, but not with you. But I think that's implying that she, too, was a woman whore. No, 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 no. Because then she says, oh, Sorry, that was just my imagination running wild. So basically, she had been fantasizing. Oh, all right. About so they're it. setting it up like th- she's obviously been pining for him. But yeah, he's uh, since college. Yeah, they literally say that. Like it's the next dialogue. Yeah, basically. I mean, but he's you know been hanging out with uh, Ric Flair and Jake the Snake Roberts, doing blow and uh, having a r- <laughs> giant rat this orgies. Pre, pre, yeah, this is pre blow because. Um, he says that, uh, you know, Denise says that thing about her imagination. And um, she even then says, <laughs> I don't know if you caught this. She says to him, imagine you're you're in lover's lane in your car and the police come up to you to bang on your window to knock off the, the racket and tell you to stop. But it's just you alone. So she was masturbating furiously <laughs> like at lover's lane. <laughs> so she was thinking about him, I guess. And then going to Lover's Lane <laughs> and masturbating loudly. Like, why not just do it at home? <laughs> like, I mean, she just this? wanted to be there at Lover's Lane because it would help put her more into the mood. Because it's like, well, yeah. I'm in the right space. It's just I'm missing my man. But luckily, I yeah. have my hand here. Uh, and yeah. <laughs> so I, so that that is one definite positive I've got to say about this episode and hopefully the whole show is like this. Like they really, they, they'll, they'll just imply some stuff. They won't outright say right. it. But like once you stop and think about it, you're like, wait a minute, <laughs> I see what you're saying here. And it's always, well, not always, but oftentimes something absurd, mm-hmm. uh, which I appreciate. Then the uh, maniac reminds her that he was with a girl at the time. He was dating a girl who would eventually become his mm-hmm. wife and the mother of um, her kids, his kids. And then uh, she says, uh, the niece says, well, where is she now? Mm -hmm. She's not here. And he's like, you know very well that she's in England studying. And they don't establish in this episode, but it's his ex-wife now. Right. Uh, But since you don't know that in this episode, it seems like the niece is just saying, like, she wants to have an affair with him. Because then she goes, oh, yeah, well, I'm here now. Right. Yeah, it's all very um, almost saved by the bell-ish, except for the roles would be reversed. Um, I would I would describe this as st- Silk Stockings Jr. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad you were able to use that again. Um, yeah, yeah, so, wow. But, right, it's like sexual, 
uh there's a lot of innuendo mm -hmm. it's not like you oh, know too in your right. face but you know i can see like a kid watching this maybe it'll if you're a little kid it'll go over your head but if you're an adult you get what they're going right but i i wonder uh i mean because i could never again the information on this uh, show was quite sparse like i wonder if this was made for you know like prime time like 8 p.m 9 p.m like on a thursday night or something like must-see TV Canadian television or if it was meant to be shown like Saturday morning right after um, Small Wonder, you know? I can't hear you, buddy. I, I was on mute. I know the answer to that question, okay. Steve, because if you watch this episode all the way to the end of the credits, like the announcer says something like, hey, kids, stick around for DJ Yachty right. coming up next. You're right. Oh, my God. So, wow. So, they're dumb. I mean, yeah. but... At the same time, this could have been recorded off of American television where they could have possibly decided that it was for kids, which is still messed up. Um, so I guess we'll never really know. Yeah, well, I mean, most of the I, most, if not all of those stations that we saw. No, I actually some of these are Canadian, but because uh, there's like Winnipeg, Winnipeg in mm -hmm. here. But most of these are American cities right. that it was syndicated in. So. Anyways, uh, moving right along, um, I just thought it was hilarious that the first episode of this family-friendly sitcom right. features an attempt to go the mass maniac into uh, having a, an extramarital affair because as far as we know, the implication here is that he's still with her. She's just studying abroad. That's a uh, wrestle life, baby. You know, when you're... Uh, yeah, so she's... <laughs> when you're in WO, you know, the rats just can't stay off you. Yeah, and the, and the last thing, one of the last things that Denise says is that, well, she's here. The the, the knee, excuse me, uh, let, let me just use her real, her character's mm -hmm. name because this is getting obnoxious. Carol. Carol tells the mass maniac, well, I'm here studying you now, <laughs> and I'm asking for a makeup exam. <laughs> yes. Whoa. Man, I feel like we've just been barded by nothing but, like, puns in the last, like, hour or two. Um yeah, but, uh, yeah, yeah. The, the best part is that the most overt and obvious puns have yet to come. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, to come. Yeah. Huh? They're. Oh, um, well, there you go. Uh, but uh, yeah, like, I mean, hey, it's good because it's sort of I don't know. There was uh, at least it shows that she's a strong woman who knows what she wants. Uh, for better or worse. Um, yeah, absolutely. Sorry, I had to deal with a cat situation. Right yeah, I was gonna. I was gonna try to. Man, you just have uh, a whole freaking <laughs> zoo over there. I got. I got a zoo here, Steve. Oh, well, uh, I gotta watch out. My uh, echidna is like fighting with the hedgehog. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, anyways, uh, now we're like at another part of the school. We see Ellen talking to one of her friends by the lockers. Uh, the Ellen's friend who I don't think we find out her name, but I think in the credits it said Beth. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, anyways, she complains to Ellen that her mom won't let her get a fourth earring in her right ear. Right. Okay. Then the audience laughs. Mm. <laughs> okay, sure. Yeah. Piercing um, jokes. That's funny. Yeah. Then Mark and another guy named Kevin walk by Ellen's friend says that she wants to lock lips with Mark. <laughs> Uh, because this is a very horny show, Steve. This is the 80s, man. Everyone was just lip-locking like, everyone. What is going on in Canada, man? Yeah. <laughs> um, anyways, so uh, Ellen's friend walks up to Mark and says that, and I quote, I'm thinking of getting another hole in my ear. Mm -hmm. uh, Mark then looks at her, at her and says, go for it. 
which for some reason makes her upset. Right, she, right, like, right. Storms off. I think it's just supposed to show that he's a uh, cavalier and doesn't care. I think what, doesn't care. Like, what she wanted was, uh, ooh, really? I think that would like add to your, I don't know, whatever, femininity or something. Yeah. But maybe, maybe she, or, oh, I'll poke a hole in you yeah. with, my, <laughs> with my Canadian uh, Labatt can. <laughs> my. <laughs> I love. <laughs> wow, wow. You know, I was like, oh, you, she wanted her hole filled, is what she wants to say. Um, ah, but, see, um, but isn't it funny that she, she, I did. Do, did you think it was weird that, like, you know, and, and I thought maybe American audiences wouldn't really be able to like get this when her friend says you're a real Rick Moranis. Yeah, that. Uh, yeah, I don't even think he. <laughs> she doesn't say that, Steve. <laughs> I just know Rick Moranis is Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> How wow! You're trying to pull a fast one on me. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, oh shit! I was about to say, yeah. Like, I think that one escaped me. But I, I was gonna draw another comparison to Small Wonder, where remember there's a like boy crazy girl in that show as well, like his neighbor. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I just think it's. I guess it was just a sort of cliche or a trope at the time. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah, true. Um, yeah, because they even on Family Matters, there was like that one girl that was Vivian, I think was her name, that was really into Urkel. Well, yeah, but they didn't add her until like many seasons later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I mean, it, it, but it just goes to speak that like, yeah, right, it was, uh, right. Thing. Uh, and wasn't like Kimmy Gibbler from Full House really into? Yeah, yeah. I guess you're right. Somebody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyways, uh, so uh, next we're back at the what I. I put in my. I wrote in my note here. It's, we're back at the Maniac Mansion. <laughs> nice, um, nice. Is, uh, so we're back at the Mass Maniac's house where Mark and Kevin are uh, watching a match between Ric Flair and the Masked Maniac. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kevin makes some dumb jokes, saying that he heard like the Masked Maniac eats puppies for lunch. Right. And Mark replies that he switched to kittens because they're easier to digest. Oh God, now that's a bad joke, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, and another laugh track uh, appears. Uh, Mark keeps yelling for uh, Ric Flair to kill him. To kill. There's a lot of, like, if you took a shot, Steve, every time you heard "kill him" or "murder." See, and, uh, and that's like that goes back to our, you know, previous dis- discussion on how the on how wrestling is being treated. Like, because to me, it seemed like the NWA, you know, treated wrestling like it's a real sport. There's not a lot. I mean, you know, obviously until. <laughs> Uh, you know, NWO came and they started having ridiculous Halloween Havoc matches and stuff. Like, when did, uh, you know, the, and we're going to see from Flair's like promo here, it just seems like maybe it's amped up a bit to where people are killing and murdering people. It's or being treated like, like, UFC when it first came out like a blood sport. Yeah, like it's something that's a very taboo or uh, that someone yeah. could actually die from. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know, which is just kind of weird. Right. Um, but, uh, yeah, anyways, Mark keeps on for him to, uh, kill him. Ellen walks in and she kind of makes fun of the boys for watching wrestling. Mm-hmm. Then we get a promo <laughs> from Ric Flair. So for those that know, promo is like an interview with a wrestler. Mm-hmm. Uh, and during the interview, when Ric Flair is being interviewed, he says that, I uh, killing is my life. Yeah. Murder is my <laughs> life. Murder is my life. Yeah. <laughs> It's, and then he also says uh, that torture is my life. See, that's like uh, that, be- that's so weird because it's just like 
is that something they told him to say? Because that's like not a standard Flair like promo at all. I think that they told Flair, hey, we want you to end. We want you to like say something that like sounds like you're like vile. You know, right. like you're like this evil Murderer. guy. We just want you to end it with this punchline. Right. And I, I think that's what happened because then the punchline is he because he talks about his life. Oh, my life's all about murder. Brutal murder. Yeah. Uh, torture is my life causing agony you know yeah it's, it and seemed the, like a joke promo also yeah. because and then, yeah and then the interviewer says rick flair when people look back on your career eight years later who knows who, who knew he'd be wrestling for like another 40 more years right when people look back at your career eight years later you know what do you want him to say and rick flair says looks dead in the camera and with a very serious summer voice says i hope people look back and sit and look back at me in my career and say that I brought like, oh, I, I hope to improve their quality of life. <laughs> <laughs> like, but surely they didn't do that on purpose, though. Or... Yeah, dude. Oh, this has to be on purpose. I think I think they told him, hey, this is good. We want you to say, go off. You know, you do a wrestling promo as say the most vile, heinous thing you could think of as a bad guy wrestler and end it with that you hope people look back at your career and say, like, you know, you improve the quality of life. I think it was 100 percent. Yeah. Purpose. All right. Maybe I could see it. I could see it. Oh, I, I think so, man, because just think about some of the other kind of absurd stuff already. Right. The and show. then, uh, yeah, and then we get the, uh, like, in the locker room at the end with uh, him loaning a book to someone. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. You convinced me. Yeah. Anyways, either way, it cracked me up. Yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, well, I died. It's supposed to be funny because, like, there is laugh track mm-hmm. during this. So it's supposed oh, to be okay. funny. Okay. All right. Mm-hmm. The laugh track uh, saves uh, the show for a while. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so anyways, now we're in the wrestling locker room backstage. Uh, looks like uh, Rick Garvin is back there, uh, who's a real wrestler. He asked the Mass Maniac if he's okay. So this is what I was saying earlier, because the Mass Maniac walks into the locker room, and Mass Maniac uh, and Rick Garvin's like, hey, are Wait, you okay? Wait, don't you mean Ronnie Garvin? Ronnie Garvin, yeah, yeah sorry. Uh, thank you. And uh, anyways, uh, Mass Maniac's like, yeah, I'm fine. And then Ronnie Garvin says, uh, you know, gives him some insight he thanks him for letting him borrow a book on the french revolution mm-hmm. he gives some like deep insight into like what he gleaned from the book right uh and it was so funny like it was just unexpected and stupid it was just so stupid right it's that it's that old tired sort of chestnut where um you know the the person who's a dumb jock says something that's like deep and insightful and everyone's like whoa right he's not just a dumb jock right kind of right right um and when this scene happened, I thought, oh, God, is the whole thing going to be that he is wrestling just to, like, get these wrestlers out of the pro wrestling lifestyle and educate them because <laughs> he loves teaching so much? Right. Like, he's, is this his ministry, for lack of a better word, right. you know? Well, I'm glad they didn't um, do that route. That would have been yeah, stupid. Yeah, me too. Um, but, oh, I, I should mention, though. When the mask maniac walks into the locker room, he's wearing the mask. Mm-hmm. Like we, we, he's wearing the mask the whole time, and it's after Ronnie Garvin says, "Oh, this is what I gleaned from the book. Thank you for letting me borrow it." Then the mask maniac takes off his mask, and here's where we, the audience, find out, "Oh, this is actually Randall the whole time." And the audience goes, goes ooh. "Ooh!" Like we couldn't figure it out. Yeah, it was hilarious. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, anyways, next scene is we're back at the Mass Maniac Mansion. Mm-hmm. Ellen asks for two dollars for lunch. Mm-hmm. What a time to be alive! I know, thing. right? She could have gotten like two $2 trays for, for that. Yeah. Um, anyways, uh, Mark walks in. 
Uh, he asks his dad if he's seen his tennis racket. Mass Maniac says that he hasn't seen it. They have some back and forth about like Mass Maniac is like, well, you mean my tennis racket? Because I bought it. You know, just typical 80s sitcom mm-hmm. stuff. Anyways, uh, Mass Maniac uh, is trying to get Mark to get ready to go. But Mark's like, I'm actually going to ride with Kevin's dad. So Mark leaves. Or excuse me, the Mass Maniac leaves and Mark is like looking around the house for the tennis racket. And instead, what does he find, Steve? He finds the mask of the masked maniac in his closet. Right. He even puts it on. He realizes, uh, you know, whose mask it is. And he's kind of like talks to himself. Can you imagine how sweaty and disgusting that mask would be? Disgusting. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah, I can only imagine. So um, he puts it on and he's like, wait a minute. My dad was out the night of the Mass Maniac's last match. Right, he's been going out a lot during the same times that the Mass Maniac like wrestled. It was, so he puts uh, together a super pro style exposition. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he puts together that his dad is a Mass Maniac. So let me just stop you right there, you hell, because this is where like the my logic sort of uh, sort of kicks in. Because up up until now, everything I would say was on the up and up for the most part, and they never. They could have addressed this pretty easily, but they never did. Like, why only now did they stumble across this secret? I mean, if he's been wrestling for, like, years, um, I mean, surely they would have... We don't know how long he's been wrestling. I get, but he he never says that he... He never really says when, but it just seems like it's just... uh, I mean, he never poked around in that closet before. You get what I'm saying? My guess is that it's, like a recent development. Ah, oh, I see. Uh, cause, cause we never, cause we don't know like how long he's been wrestling. It's a good, but I and mean, if he's a job or that would kind of make me think that he's probably not been doing it very long. Well, but, uh, I mean, Bubba says that, you know, you have to spend like six years at the team 3d Academy before you can <laughs> go free. <laughs> you, you can't become a professional wrestler until you have given me $7,000 over the course of five and a half years. Right, right, exactly. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I that's guess how that's... Rick Flair did it. <laughs> Wait, Bubba, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> right, I mean, I guess that's... I just feel like they would have figured it out a lot sooner. The kids would have. Um, but... Right, but again, I don't think that, like, um, this has been going on for a long time because, for example, they just... They do say earlier that, like, he just started teaching at this school and just started going. Mm-hmm. Uh, the kids just started going there. So this all seems like a fairly new thing. Okay. Uh, all right. I can buy that. All right. Last uh, last question. Okay. Why? I can't believe I'm defending learning the room. <laughs> so he, ex- well, no, I don't want to. Um, yeah, let's just move forward and then I'll ask that question then. Okay. So anyway, either way, Mark figures it out. <clears throat> I do agree with you. Like they could have definitely done a little bit more explaining of the timeline. Mm-hmm. The only other reason why maybe I can think like they didn't figure it out is the kids are supposed to be young. So maybe if he was doing it for years, it was easier to hide. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I could see that. Um, but uh, yeah. Anyway. From his 32 year old son yeah. <laughs> that's in ninth grade. <laughs> right. Because he doesn't drive yet, right? So he is supposed to be like in eighth or ninth grade, I guess. Yep. Um, anyways, we uh, cut back to the school, and uh, two boys are making fun of the beating that the mass maniac took from Ric Flair. Mm-hmm. Mark walks up mid conversation and says uh, something. He starts basically defending the mass maniac. Yeah, he, he says he's offended. Yes. Yeah, he's like he's like, oh well, you know, you can't win them all. Right. Uh, you know, he 
says stuff like that. Mm-hmm. One of the kids makes a joke that um, they probably make the mask maniac wear a mask because he's so ugly. Right. And then Mark really starts to stick up for the mask maniac and gives one of the boys the lightest shove possible. Right. <laughs> and then just as that happens, the principal walks up, grabs Mark by the shirt, and ironically pulls Mark much harder than he shoved the kid. Right. And is like, oh, you're fighting, you know, yada, yada. Uh, the principal says to Mark, I'm sure your father will be thrilled to know that you're a thug, a hood. (laughs) But think of the dramatic (laughs) irony there. It's like, of course his father would be okay with it because he's a wrestler. But then he's not because the principal brings Mark to uh, the Mass Maniac's classroom. Principal says that Mark was fighting, Mm -hmm. (laughs) even though all he did was give Oh, the lightest shove. Yeah, I know. Uh, (laughs) But then the Mass Maniac, he asked Mark, is it true that you were fighting? To which Mark says yes. I guess they didn't want to have any choreography for that scene. No, you know, I guess this explains in a weird way, Steve, if you think about it, why they act like the mass maniac is eating people's flesh when he's really not. Because here, if a light shove equates to a fight, you know, then I guess like an eye rake equates you're consuming somebody's flesh. You know what I mean? Like, wow, yeah. Just, uh, I mean, everybody is so nice in Canada that the slightest bit of, you know... The slightest indiscretion right, is... Uh, is considered is just a, a aggression. Assault. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, um, so, you know, the principal says, you know, oh, this is probably very uncomfortable for you, Randall. I can take care of disciplining your son for you. Oh, yeah. That was... That, that, <laughs> that was drew, drew up some horrible images in my head. And, yeah, yeah. I was like, oh. Thank okay. God, like, Dad or Randall, the mass maniac, was there. Or, not Randall, but thank God mass maniac was there to be yeah. like, no, no, I'll take care of it. Well, that is Randall. That's that's his real name. Oh, well, what was the son's name? I thought the son was Randall. Mark. Oh, yeah. Right, right. Of course, because he's because a big he's mark. A mark. Exactly. Yeah. For wrestling, which... That has to be on purpose. (laughs) And the daughter's name is pretty funny. Rat. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's not. (laughs) So, anyways, um, you know, Randall says, you know, I'll talk to my son about this in private. So, principal leaves. Uh, Mark explains what happened, um, and Maniac says, "Hey, that's not how we handle things." And then Mark says, "Oh." You've never pushed anyone. Right, right. <laughs> uh, you know, they, so they, they kind of have a little back and forth about that. Mm-hmm. And you can see that, like, Randall is like, uh, what are you getting at kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. So Mark tells him that he found the mass maniac mask. Uh, Randall claims that then Randall starts making excuses. You know, he's like, oh, no, I, uh, I have that mask because I wore it during Halloween. But <laughs> he's like, and then I, yeah, his son is like, oh no, you didn't. We just handed out candy the whole time or something like that. And then uh, yeah. Randall's like, uh, would you believe Easter or something like that? Yeah, he's like, I wore it on Easter. Yeah. He's like, what? No, <laughs> that is so stupid that it made me laugh. Yeah, yeah. Uh, then the maniac says that he's sorry that he had to find out this way. Right? Yeah, like it's <laughs> like it's like he just walked in on his dad who was claiming to be straight like all of his life with another man or something. It, 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 I, I would say he's acting more like he just found out that his dad's a member of the Outlaws, the biker gang, notorious for like being murderers. Oh, uh, well, that's oddly specific, but sure, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I one of my best friends growing up, his dad was a member of the Outlaws. <laughs> wow, and we're just learning all kinds of things about you on yeah, this episode. Yeah, he was nice as hell. <laughs> uh, I would not mess with him, though. Even right. to this day, I would not mess with mm-hmm. him. Uh, anyways, uh, in fact, I need you to delete that from the podcast. sure buddy so maniac again maniac is like hey i'm sorry you had to find out this way but mark says that he thinks it's cool as he would he's a wrestling right it's mark 
Maniac tells uh, his son, hey, no one can find out about it, especially your sister Ellen. Mark tries to convince him to like let some girls know so that he can impress them. Mm-hmm. But Maniac says no, because people that moonlight as wrestlers, they get fired from the real jobs if they're discovered. And he wants to teach. See, that's very uh, on. Oh, wait, no. No, yeah, yeah, you're right. Okay, continue. <clears throat> yeah. So, uh, you know, Mark is like, how did you? And I'm glad that they did this. Mm-hmm. Mark says, how did you even get into this? Right. Because <laughs> I was wondering that, too. Yeah. And he says that uh, basically a guy at the gym asked him if he wanted to do it to make some extra money to fill in for someone wait, who. Uh, wait, wait, let me fill in the gaps here. I was buying steroids from a guy at the gym when. When he said, I'll only keep selling you these steroids if you uh, become a jobber. And that man was <laughs> Vince McMahon. <laughs> That's right. Uh, so anyways, yeah, he says like this guy uh, offered him some extra money to do it. And uh, the dad says, you know, when I started out doing it, I started out doing it, you know, because it was fun. I started it was kind of like for the kicks. Uh, but more importantly, it became a way to save money uh, for college right. for you and your sister. Mm-hmm. Uh so that's kind of, you know, I like that they had uh, the dad have some wholesome motivations for maiming people. And here is my like sort of second, I guess, little um, plot hole or something, if you will. It's like it looks like he works at a pretty nice like private school. You think that he doesn't get paid enough there? Well, yeah, he works at a nice private school, but he's still a t- well, now he's a vice principal. But you have to assume that his kids are. um and plus, doesn't in Canada fact, we, have like great, like sort of socialized like welfare and stuff? Yeah, but he probably wants to send him to like an Ivy League school or something like that because he's we're probably teaching at this prep school so that his kids can be there for free. Right. And later we find out when uh, there's a scene coming up where the daughter is asking him for money for a dress, and he's like, "Oh, I'll have some money coming in next week. I can give it to you then." So it's not like he's like flush with cash. Yeah. All right. I mean, I'm just nitpicking. I mean, yeah, that was basically my sort of. Uh, so they reason. do kind of explain yeah. it. Yeah, I, I get where you're coming from. Um. Anyway, so next, uh, we're at the family kitchen table, and there's some typical like family sitcom banter. And actually, this is where Ellen says that she wants money for a dress mm-hmm. for like, homecoming or something. And Mark is like making like a bunch of wrestling. Puns oh God, this was so bad. It was awesome. Yeah, like like he's very sarcastically saying things like, "Oh, Ellen, I don't know. Don't you see the way that Dad has to wrestle with the bills?" God, month? so bad. I don't want to see him get pinned into a bad financial situation. <laughs> and like, it shouldn't work, but like the guy playing Mark like really goes for the hamminess of it. He does. He does. Um, and I we haven't really talked about the acting capability of Lyle, the guy that plays uh, the mass maniac, but he's actually pretty good. Very charismatic, very likable. Yeah. Like, I mean, I was, yeah. um, I mean, just looking at sort of the, I guess the pictures of this or something. I mean, it's really hard to tell. I mean, it's like, oh man, this is gonna, you know, what way they're going to go. Is he going to be, I thought maybe they'd make him some sort of like hyper aggressive asshole or something, but no, he's very likable, like and very charismatic. Yeah, yeah. He, he makes for a really good TV dad, for, yeah. for, like an 80s TV dad. 100%. Um, so anyways, like I said earlier, the dad's like, yeah, next week I'll be able to give it to you. Um, but uh, as like, you know, Mark and the dad, like keep kind of going back and forth. And the dad's like, kind of trying to shut Mark up. Mm-hmm. Uh, basically says, Ellen, you got to go. Mark and I need to have a private one-on-one discussion. You know, Ellen wants to know what's going on. But he's like, nope, father-son talk. And uh, it's interesting here how like now that you would think like Mark is going to try to use the knowledge of his dad's like, you know, secret life 
as a way to blackmail him into giving him like allowance money and this and that. That's what Zach but Morris instead, would do. Right. But instead he actually starts to become more respectful of his dad right. because he's such a mark and he's like, thinks it's cool. And he's more intimidated by his dad now that it actually makes him respectful, which is why I don't have a problem with him being an ass to his dad earlier because it helps to like give that contrast now. It's a character uh, arc, baby. baby. It's a character arc. Yeah, like, and I'm shocked. For you dads who don't have the respect of your sons and daughters, become a pro wrestler. It's that simple. Yeah, th- lie about it yeah. <laughs> uh, or hide it, and then but leave a mask around so they find yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. Anyways, so um, sorry, I lost my my spot here. So, anyways, the dad basically intimidates Mark into doing the dishes mm-hmm. after he had tried to get out of it. <laughs> there you go. Uh, yeah. So next, it's later in the evening. We're still at the uh, Maniac Mansion. Uh, Ellen asks Mark where Dad went to. Dad's not there. Mark tries to avoid telling her, uh, and then Ellen tries to get it out of him by blackmailing him, and she's basically just threatening to reveal a bunch of dumb stuff to his friends. Right. Oh, I'll tell them about the time you... I don't even remember what it was. Oh, I got one where she he taped hair to his chest or something? No, 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 that's the one that's successful. Oh, okay. But there were like two or three things before that. Like, she says something about like, oh, what about these love notes you wrote to so-and-so? And And he's like, oh, no one will believe it. And Mm -hmm. she says a couple other things like that. But yeah, the last one that gets him, because he's like walking away from her going up the stairs. And then she says, well, I'll tell everybody about how you like glue chest hair to your, glue hair to your chest. Right, right. Uh, And here's another sort of, why is she only suspicious now about like dad leaving? We can only assume he's been constantly, you know, leaving to go train or do a, uh, you know, do matches. Well, remember though, Steve, in the last scene, like she becomes suspicious and she says, what's going on with like her and her oh right because they're having their little court. argument okay all so right. she suspects something is up the writing the is just too year. tight on uh, learning it, the it's, ropes it's surprisingly tight <laughs> at least this episode um anyways so next scene uh we're at the matches the wrestling matches and we get a shot of the crowd where we see mark and ellen are uh walking in and they're sitting down to watch the wrestling matches mm-hmm. And I guess uh, Ellen has been told by Mark that her dad's a mass maniac and she sees him wrestling and she's just mortified. Yeah, she does the old covering her face routine. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's so many worse things you can be in the world than a professional wrestler, but whatever. I mean, but the weird thing, it's again, like, I think my biggest problem plot hole wise is like they're very inconsistent with how they treat wrestling. Is it real? Right, right. Guys getting like, is there. Because if the thing is like okay, if it was this barbaric, why isn't her dad coming home with like bruises right. and like you know and so that's my plot one big plot hole for sure. this show. But anyways, so um, after she watches the matches, the next scene is we're kind of backstage, just outside the locker rooms, and Ellen is kind of being standoffish, and the mass maniac comes out of the locker room to talk to her. Um, Ellen says that. To her dad that he maims people <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, maybe that's just like the writers and they're sort of not understanding of wrestling i don't know we've already talked about it or may, or, I, I mean the kids think it's real right right like right. so like mark acts like it's real mm. uh so and she's the younger sister so you would think she also thinks it's like real right. and barbaric so i guess to them it's real but they just should have done a better job of establishing that to the adults, it's not real, but to the kids, it is. So, so when they go backstage, which we're pretty much there now, is that basically sort of their version of kind of lifting the 
the veil say hey these are my I friends so. they're not so bad like and it's yeah it's very i guess so. it's still very vague but and then but like I, you said i mean i think you were right that this is probably supposed to be like the baby face locker room it's like the good guy locker mm-hmm. room for those that don't know back in the 80s uh probably through the early 90s i would think uh there were always like at big shows like for wwe or nwa there were two sets of locker rooms one where the good guys were in one where the bad guys were in this is so that like if a fan or whatever was wandering around backstage, they wouldn't accidentally see them like good guys and bad guys like mingling and being friends. Right. Um, but uh, anyways, so she, Mass Maniac apologizes to Ellen for not telling her. And Ellen says that I don't want to wake up one morning to find out that I don't have a father anymore either. Uh, <laughs> wow. Which is the only clue that we have that the mother's like not involved. Right. Um, Mani- Mass Maniac replies, <laughs> a really weird reply he says that they have to get on with their lives. Mm-hmm. So I guess he meaning that like, hey, this is a thing that's happening. I'm going to keep yep, wrestling. This is how it's like going to be. It's like, uh, yeah, it's like, I'm a wrestler, damn it. If you can't accept yeah. me, then too bad. So Ellen kind of begrudgingly accepts the situation. And she jokes very sarcastically that uh, she quips, uh, this is turning out to be a very unhappy childhood. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's kind of a funny line. Yeah, it kind of was funny. I heard mm-hmm. delivery was good. Yeah. Uh, so then uh, we go into the same locker room, wrestling locker room, where we were at earlier with Ronnie Garvin. And we see, like, Ronnie Garvin is lifting Mark up over his head, like, in a military <laughs> press position. Yeah. Uh, and in walks in uh, Mass Maniac and Ellen. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the other wrestlers meet the kids. And they talk about how they're uh, – the, the wrestlers, like, talk about how great their dad is, yep. how – Ronnie Garvin talks about how he's helping him with his education, mm-hmm. and another guy, another wrestler named Cheetah, uh, says, "Yeah, he's helping me write a book about like my my life experience." And you can see like Ellen is like, "Oh, I didn't expect you to be real people," kind of a thing. You right, know? right, because all wrestlers are just you know blood uh, eating slime, right? Yeah. So I will appreciate. I do appreciate that the show doesn't like make a mockery. Of wrestling yeah. or wrestlers, it actually treats the industry like pretty seriously. Well, I mean, they take is... wrestling pretty serious up in Canada. I mean, even in the... oh, that's a that's a great point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's it. I didn't, hadn't even thought about that. I'm sure that yeah, if this was America, the the wrestlers and wrestling would have been the butt of jokes. Right, they would of... basically be bone saw from Spider Man One. Yep, <laughs> yep. Um, so, anyways, Maniac, Mass Maniac tells the kids, "Hey, uh, these are my friends." Yada yada. Uh, you have to keep it a secret that I'm a wrestler. Just like more towards Ellen. And Ellen says, yeah, right. Like, I want everyone to know about this. Uh, and then they kind of hug and then the show ends. And perfect. It's quite a run. Yeah. Perfect sort of 80s uh, sitcom ending, um, I, I'd say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, but, uh, yeah, that is uh, the first episode, not the pilot episode. Uh, I did find the unaired pilot, which I'm glad we didn't watch it because I watched like about 10 minutes of it and literally the first 10 minutes is like it opens up with like a bunch of wrestlers sitting at the mass maniac kitchen table watching wrestling on a little tv like watching their own matches that's weird but then they show like eight minutes of a match (laughs) and then they cut back to the wrestlers like i was i was like what is this so very weird that is weird well uh shall we render our verdict about uh learning the ropes let's do it all right all right uh london vice i mean you hell uh should uh learning the ropes (laughs) the first 
uh, wrestling sitcom uh, be remembered for all of pro wrestling history? Or should it be choked out in the center of the ring, uh, never to wrestle again? Wow. Um, I will say when I, you know, when based off the clip that we saw on TikTok mm-hmm. uh, that got us, uh, that even, you know, informed us that this thing existed. Mm-hmm. In the beginning of the show, the theme song, you know, even though it's good for like, it's exactly the kind of theme song you would expect and should have in your 80s family sitcom. It it made me think this was not going to be good at all. Mm-hmm. I was not going to enjoy any of it, not even ironically. So I was pleasantly surprised. Um, you know, we've talked about, uh, you know, the writing being surprisingly tight. You get some like decent character arcs here. Uh, the kids put in like pretty good performances. Probably helps that they're not kids. Right. Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> like after the, you know, when the, when they yell cut, like Ellen and Mark are ha- sharing a cigarette and a bottle of whiskey yeah. you know, in between takes. Yeah. Like, uh, Ellen is like, yeah, I fucked a couple guys last night. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I, I gave him the old clam slam. Oh. Uh, anyways, I would say uh, keep this. I actually enjoyed it a lot more than I thought it would. It almost feels like these writers like wrote like a show initially that they maybe they wanted it geared towards more of an adult audience and then maybe they a producer a producer or somebody was like yeah well we if we're gonna sell this we gotta make it like more family oriented mm-hmm. and then it was kind of maybe like dumbed down a little bit but uh because there's some really good stuff in here uh so i say keep it uh what do you say yeah i was uh really surprised i i thought it was going to be another sort of small wonder situation Me too. where it was just going to be like unbearably like annoying and stupid but um yeah the writing was surprisingly tight um if you're i mean i'm all i was already a fan of like uh you know wcw and the nwa so actually having um you know those wrestlers in there always been a big rick flair fan so just seeing him uh pop up on this show that i had never heard of was uh pretty uh interesting and just the fact that this show has gone under our radar like all this time was uh, just kind of am- kind of amazing. It was almost like um, I don't know. It's, this almost felt like I mean I wouldn't say it's like this up to date, but like somebody made a show that was like you know throwback, you know that we missed. Um, yeah, yeah. And um, and yeah, like really, really ended up enjoying it. Um, nobody was really too annoying like the characters had enough depth i mean they weren't like the deepest people ever written or anything but um yeah it was uh it was a lot of fun loved the theme and uh yeah so i'm gonna say this should be remembered and i i would say you know if maybe you're not a fan of maybe 80 sitcom or even nwa like you get a couple of friends and some beers or other sort of mind-altering substances substances mm-hmm. and this could be a really good time yeah i totally agree and again lyle is a surprisingly like good lead yep he uh, was he was great it's like he's super charismatic uh i in fact he's got some other films under his uh imdb that we should probably look into watching neon city baby uh, just because, yeah, I'd be like, if, 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 I would watch anything that he plays like a prominent role in because, um, yeah, the, the guy is uh, fun to watch. All right. So it's going to be remembered. In accordance to Obscure to Now, the most important streaming YouTube podcast in all of the Internet, you shall be remembered. Yes. Good show. 
Yeah, I had a feeling you were going to like this. I, I was going to be really surprised if you didn't. Um, but yeah, uh, it was really, really fun. Uh, yeah, I, I like like the more I watched it because I I don't think I even wanted to like it at first because <laughs> uh, I was like so sure it was going to be bad, and then I me was too. Like, after a few minutes, I'm like, man, this is kind of dumb fun. Right. I mean, you it know? definitely then, ticked off the boxes for us. You know, you got the wrestling, you got the uh, sort of 80s sitcom cheese factor. I mean, and it wasn't even annoying. So, I mean, where can you go wrong? Yeah, we, we, we should probably watch is this movie called uh, Destroyer, mm-hmm. uh, where like Lyle is the uh, lead character. It looks like it's like a horror movie. Oh, nice. Um, and the tagline is, they never dream he'd become the perfect killing machine. So it'd be fun to see like the uh, his range. Can he now be? Can, can he go from loving, charismatic, fun, tough but caring father to the ultimate killing, the perfect killing machine? That you know that movie sounds very familiar too. But uh, yeah, we should. Well, perhaps the other tagline will jog your memory, Steve. Three thousand volts couldn't kill him. It just gave him a buzz. I've seen it. Yep, <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen it. Um, but, uh, yeah, well, um, audience, let us know, uh, what you think about, um, learning the ropes. Uh, did we make the right choice? Uh, of course it's too late. We already made the right one. <laughs> so, uh, uh, anyway, we will, uh, see you next Sunday as we continue to talk about something. Um, and of course more obscure media only on obscurity. Now we will see you next week. You've been enjoying Obscurity Now, a podcast that's recorded live to tape and streamed to Twitch and YouTube. Subscribe so you never miss an episode or hilarious quip. Take us with you by following the download links provided in the show notes to wherever you get podcasts. And take notice of our various social media links. If that's what you're into, I'm not here to judge. And make sure you join us live next week at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific as we continue to discuss more obscure media only on Obscure Now.